let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and this week it's not just a snippet of a show, but we're starting off with what could be called a snippet of a beer, aren't we, mate? Indeed we are. We've got a Super Session IPA, shall I say. Yeah, and what, 2.8%? Yeah, 2.8%, Beavertown Nanobot. By now, a few people, I'm sure, have seen this on uh, Twitter and have seen a few people's thoughts about it, uh, but this is, our, this is our first chance to get into it, Steve. Okay, well, let's let's dive into it and see what we think. Cheers. All right, cheers. A little bit lemony on the nose. Yep. A little bit um, quite herbal. Yeah, as, as, almost as well. A little bit of pineapple, but there's definitely a herbal, almost medicinal. It's it's not what I would have expected, I have to admit. No, it's not. It's not as I was maybe expecting something a bit crisper. I mean, it is, it is fairly crisp on the finish. Body-wise, it's, it's as light as anything. You, yeah, you know. I think it's quite crisp. I think it's, for these kind of session IPAs and low ABVs, it tends to be um, fruitier. They make up for maybe that lack of body sometimes with the fruit. Um, this feels not quite like that. It's, it's definitely, there is a bit of sharpness to it as well. I think it's first quenching. So Beavertown kindly sent us uh, these through to us, a couple of samples each. So thank you very much to them. Um, basically 2.8% Super Session IPA it's got um, Sabro and Simcoe hops now Sabro is one of those newer hops that we've heard a bit about over the last few months I have had a beer knowingly with Sabro in it just the once it was a beer from uh, Burnt Mill have you experienced a Sabro hop to this point Steve? I, I think as far as I'm aware, this is this is the first time I've had the, the, the Sabro hop. And, and I'll be honest, it's it's because I've been actively avoiding it because I, I, I know it has very, very similar character, characteristics to Sriracha Ace, which is a, a hop that I don't enjoy. Certainly don't enjoy in light beers. Uh, apparently, I do enjoy it in dark beers because I've drunk plenty of them with it in. Um, but I, I think obviously, you, you know, that the malt profile will change what the hops do to it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's generally one that I've tended to avoid and, and, until this point. Um, and I was kind of hoping that when I saw the, the, the kind of sheet come through with the, with the ingredients in it, I was kind of hoping that the Simcoe would kind of overpower the Sabro a little bit. Yeah. And I do wonder if some of those notes, which we spoke about that surprised us have some sort of correlation with the fact that the Sabro hop has been used. The, um, they also have an addition of oats and wheat to the brew, which give it a fuller, richer mouthfeel. Um, I have to admit, I'm not really getting either of those things from this beer myself. Maybe no. I'd notice if they weren't there. No, no, I, I would have thought as well that that would have um, hazed it up a little bit, but it's as, yeah. it's as clear as anything, isn't it? It's it's crystal clear in terms of beer. M maybe it does just give it a little bit more body just to lift it a little bit, because obviously, you know, at 2.8%, we're, we're, we're t talking really low ABVs here, aren't we? So it, it might be that, that they've just used those, just like you say, just to give it a bit more depth and a bit more body. I said, I, I, it wouldn't have struck me as having that in it, because I don't, because, probably because you haven't got the the haziness to it. Uh, a couple of other things to note, it's uh, in, in line with the Beavertown core beers, it's 100% vegan, and also it comes in at just under 100 calories a can, 
So 97 calories again. But no, it's, I mean, it's, it's tasty enough. It's, you can understand why they would have planned to have released it at this time of year. Um, you, you know, coming into the summer months, it could be an absolute smasher. Um, and it's, it's going to be available in, is it 230 Sainsbury stores across yeah, the apparently. UK as well? So quite widely available to get hold of as well. Yeah, more widely available than perhaps some of the recent uh, supermarket releases that we've seen with like uh, Thornbridge's Pondera and Brewdog's Jackhammer as supermarket releases, but seems to have been a bit more limited, at least at the start anyway. Yeah, yeah. I can I can happily report that my uh, my local Morrison's does now stock Jackhammer. Oh, sorted. I, I was very restrained last week. I only bought two, two cans of it rather than just clearing the shelf. <laughs> your essential bit of daily exercise coming up over the next seven days is a trip to Morrison's and back. Yeah, one can a day. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it like shuttle runs. I'm going to run to Morrison's, grab a can, bring it back, run back, grab a can, bring it back. They'll be like, sir, we've seen you 18 times already today. Can you stop coming to the store? Yes. Have you not paid attention? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's like I say, it's drinkable enough, isn't it? And it's 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 really enjoyable and it is really refreshing as, as well. That's the one yeah. thing that does come through on it. Well, you're drink, you're drinking both cans, so you'll be able to give this a fair a fair shot at this by the time we finish halfway through the recording, Steve. So let us know what you think. I will, I will do. I will, I will do. Um, so obviously, uh, as I've as I've already said in in the last week or so, I've 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 had a dry week, so I haven't drunk a single drop of beer um before recording tonight's podcast um so it's all down to you mate what what, what have you been drinking in, in in the last week or so what what have been your your standout beers at home um i had a couple of good ones i'm just going to pick out two uh one was another new release from Formbridge, um a sour fruited beer a fruited sour six percent abv um came out in cans um 440 uh blackberry was the predominant thing for me really tasty michelle loved it as well it's gone straight into my list of beery highlights passion fruit and blackberry sour really tasty very fruity and a bit like a lot of the formbridge beers although it does have that uh it does have a tart sharpness to it it's all still quite balanced and drinkable so yeah i really really enjoyed that one and, and again i think if we do start picking up a bit of nice weather and perhaps the bank holiday weekend coming up I really quite look forward to having another couple of those. I did put stick free in the case when I ordered. So yeah, that's 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 the first one. I think I think and, it's interesting what Thornbridge are doing actually because I, I think that one for, for them that's quite a departure, isn't it? Putting a sour beer in a can, but I think that's part of their um, year of beer range, isn't it? And I think what they've yes. tried to start doing is is putting some of the cask releases into bottles with a bit of conditioning and some of the keg releases are going into to, to cans aren't they yeah i did notice it did have the year year of beer on there but yeah really really good really tasty really fruity if it is your kind of thing then i would recommend i'd recommend it just be careful it is six percent doesn't drink anywhere near it to be honest a bit of a contrast to the next one though uh imperial MP Stout, and I don't know if you had any influence over this one, Steve, because you recently had the brew dog dog eye, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I did it as part of the, the the AGM, the virtual AGM that they did. I did it as part of, yeah. well, it was the last beer that I had of the evening. Uh, Michelle and I decided to share the dog F on Saturday. 
Okay, so what's that? Three years prior. Yeah. Yeah, three years prior. So tenth anniversary in Stout, brewed with habanero chilies, cocoa nibs, coffee, Asian cognac barrels. All I can say is that I did not know this was seventeen and a half percent. Yeah, I, I found that with the dog eye as as well. It didn't drink anywhere near its ABV. It was so well rounded, so smooth. And I think I heard you describe dog eyes. It would have been the perfect winter supper when you're on cabin fever. Oh, and yeah. I think dog, dog F the same. Um, I admit I've enjoyed all of the dog anniversary releases that I've had to date. But this super smooth at 17.5%. And there was a bit of warmth, but balanced warmth from the, uh, the, the chili. Didn't have any of that alcoholic burn. Just really smooth, easy to drink. You, I reckon you would have pitched it between that 10 and 12% tops rather than 17.5%. Could have been because it's a few years, it's smooth, mellow, rounded off, but it was a blinder. Yeah, they've been, um, for, for some reason or another, they've, they've, they've never really been beers that I've chased every year, even though I'm a shareholder and I get access to them, um, you know, a few days before most people. I've, I've kind of always let the, the, the anniversary dog birthday beers pass me by um but the one that i had was part of the um shareholder exclusive box that you could get for the agm and, and i've got to say it's very much changed my opinion on them that it will now be a beer going forward that i will buy a couple of those each year one one to kind of drink fresh and one to age uh, a bit because they are absolutely delicious and i think and anybody that 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 doubts or, or suggests that Brewdog are dumbing down their recipes and changing their recipes for a mass market, I'd say get your hands on one of their barrel-aged beers, one of their big barrel-aged beers, and be prepared to have your mind changed because they, they are still absolute masters at what they do when it comes to that. Oh, yeah, they, they take the time over it. I think that's what this beer has had. I think it had time before it got bottled. It's had time in the bottle it's come out really well, and it, at three thirty milliliters, it made a nice sharing beer as well. Yeah, without yeah, feeling that it was a five hundred, a six sixty, seven fifty. It was nice. It always comes in one of those nice little boxes. Doesn't take up too much room in the cellar. I think that's a good idea, Steve. Buying one to have in the year you've bought it, and one to age for a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you say, if yours has been aging for three years and it's it's died right off to the point where it doesn't taste like it's 17%, imagine what yeah. that would have been like in maybe another two or three years as, as well, you know, just oh, let yeah. it go a little bit further. Yeah, no, I'm, I I think that's a good idea. But yeah, th- those are my couple of highlights over the last cu- last week or so. Well, we might as well jump into this week's question then. Opinions, 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 opinions. We're actually looking at two polls this week. So um, first time we put out um, kind of two polls in a thread um, because we thought it was two sides of a coin almost in terms of the question that we're asking. So the first question we asked was over the last six weeks, has your drinking increased, decreased or stayed the same? We had 755 votes for that. 54.3% said it had increased. 13.9% 13.9% said decreased and 31.8% said it stayed the same. And then the flip side of that was over the last six weeks, has your physical activity increased, decreased, stayed the same? Um, 36.6% increased, 39.5% decreased and 23.9% um, 
stayed the same. 449 votes on that one. And obviously that one much closer in, in, in terms of, 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 of the results. So, and obviously, you know, there's a reason why we're asking these questions because our, our behaviours have changed over the last six, six weeks because of the situation we find ourselves in. Um, but it was interesting to, to get a response from our listeners and the folk on Twitter in terms of, of, of how their habits have changed as well. Yeah, and um, I, I was unsure about doing two questions in one hit, but as the comments started to come through, you could see that people were quite happy to use both questions uh, and and think about it themselves with what they were saying. So I, I, I thought it was it, it came out quite well. And you know, thank you to everybody who voted, even if you voted twice, well over a thousand a thousand votes over the two polls is really good to see. Yeah, absolutely, and and I'm not surprised at all that we got more votes on 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 the one that was asking about drinking because obviously we are a we're a beer podcast. We're, yeah. we're not we're not a physical activity podcast, um, you, you know. So people aren't going to expect us to, to to ask those sorts of questions. But yeah, we did we did get some really interesting feedback. So so let's go through some of the comments that we had, and 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 then we'll we'll put our um, thoughts into this as well. So first up from Juice Leroy at Gregor underscore J underscore. Yep, still only drink at the weekend, but I'm not going to the gym. And despite an enthusiastic home boot camp regime in the first couple of weeks, this has fallen to the wayside. Um, Saisons in the abyss at A.D. Goodrich. Drinking has increased. Physical activity has decreased. Although I did do 10K steps yesterday while brewing a Saison. So I guess beer is good for you. <laughs> Smiley face emoji. <laughs> Very good. Very good. 10,000 steps to brew a beer. That's why, you know, everything balances off. Everything balances off. Ex exactly. From Andrew Sheldon at Tavare Fan Club. Very hard to judge. I've not missed a day's exercise since the lockdown started, running twice a week and walking on the other days for at least an hour. On the other hand, I'm doing none of the normal physical activities that accompany even an office job. On balance, perhaps a bit down. Valid point. Yeah. Valid point. I mean, I know that I walk to and from the station at the home side and to and from the station at the work side, and there's walking around the office and steps. And so, yeah, I can see where I can see where he's coming from there. I guess that's possibly why we've got so much uh, in terms of the, the poll that we did about physical activity, why the results were much closer. Because I'm, I'm guessing with people not doing that daily commute to and from work, if, if they are on foot or on, on, on bike rather than public transport or driving, then obviously there is going to be a natural decrease in the amount of physical activity that they perceive they're doing. Yeah, potentially. I, I know that I need to walk roughly about five kilometres a day just to match what I would do just as a day in general. So, yeah, so it's a good point, that one. Matt Chinnery at Half Pint Gent. My recycling bin says I'm massively drinking more, but hard to tell as I can't remember much before this life now. I am, I am though, keeping to sessionable ABVs mainly. However, extra weights and long walks... I know it's nowhere near what I'd normally be doing during a work week. So again, Matt is saying that, you know, he's drinking more, but again, potentially maybe just drinking more at home rather than out. And even with the uh, the walks and the weights, it's not what he'd normally do because Matt does a lot of walking as part of his job anyway, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. He's, he's fairly active. So again, he knows that during a working week, he doesn't actually have to try to do that cardio. He's doing those steps anyway. So yeah, no, Again, 
interesting points, a good way of looking at it. I like the way he's used his anecdotal evidence of the recycling bin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us are probably looking at our recycling going, hmm, that's a bit fuller than usual. I just hope um, the neighbours' the neighbors bins are fuller than mine and then I'll, I feel all right. Yeah, none, none of that shaming going on where you're having to walk up and down the street seeing who's got the most empties in, in their recycling. From Steve Russian at Steve Russian, it feels like both have increased, but I suspect, suspect they are actually similar and it's just the routine that has changed. Definitely spending more on beer in lieu of spending it on going out. But maybe that's another question. Well, maybe it is, Steve, and, and, and maybe we'll come on to that one in a few weeks' time. Uh, from David Crane at 50TVG, drinking more, although it's been mostly nice weather, and being out on the balcony with a tea isn't the same in the sunshine. Probably working out more often, just having to improvise from the traditional gym going. Work hard, play hard. Hashtag 701st fan. Um, I, don't, I, think, I think David's making a, a, an outside bid for number one fan status there. Although your spreadsheet's going to have to get a bit bigger if you're counting down to 701, Steve. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure it goes down to much, <laughs> much, much further than five, maybe ten, if, if, if I'm honest. Uh, from insignificant, uh, discombobulated. For many, this constitutes a significant change of drinking pattern and mindset to self-regulate self-regulate for me however who already mainly drank at home little has changed if anything my only change is in breweries and styles drank which is entirely down to current availability it's fair to say that the weather has enabled a fair amount of outdoor exercising i suspect this would have been very different had the last six weeks been wet and cold very true that's a great point that's that's an i, I know i know myself and, and we'll get on to to obviously our personal things but i know myself i've I've been trying to do something at least on a daily basis. And when the bad weather hit last week, I was like, I ain't going out in that. Yeah, not interested. No, no. You know, I, I don't like getting wet when I have to be out in the rain, let alone am I going to voluntarily go and get <laughs> wet. That, that just didn't happen. <laughs> From Dr. Goggles at Burnt Jow, Stayed about the same. But I think I'm drinking more often, but the same overall. The good weather has helped me fancy a drink as soon as I clock off work. I usually run two or three times a week anyway, but now I have more time. My runs are a little longer. Plus, on the other days, I'm going for more family walks. And I've even had my bike out a few times. So, again, sort of say it's slightly different routine, slightly different way of doing things. Um, and, again, anecdotal evidence that the bike's been out. Yeah. So, saying he probably wasn't doing before by the sounds of it. Um, from Johnny Beer Boy at Johnny Beer Boy, I went for stayed the same on both, but I guess you aren't really looking for my answer as my life hasn't really changed since I work at a hospital. So I'm going to work every day and therefore my routine, including my drinking and exercising, hadn't been forced to change. First of all, massive hats off to Johnny there if, if, he's, if he's one of the fantastic NHS workers that's going in on a daily basis and he's still fulfilling his job. So great job you're doing there, Johnny. Well done. In, interesting that there are people out there that are still living their normal daily lives, aren't they? So they are just kind of getting on with things. Yeah. And um, again, I'll echo what you said about Johnny working, key worker. Thank you very much, Johnny, for what you're doing. And yeah, there, there are people and it's actually good to get an answer and a response from people whose lives perhaps haven't been as impacted as a number of our lives have been. So uh, I, I thank him for sharing that, actually. Yeah, very much so. Um, next comment from Twinny at Emma W. Twinny. Everything has increased for me. Work, 
alcohol consumption, daily walking, even FaceTime. I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, now, now that's that, that's that's my M. That, that's that's my M. Um, who's, who's responded there? And 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 yes, I can contest most of that. But again, much much the same as Johnny. M works in a supermarket, so she's she's still going to work. She's still you know doing her daily work. Um, she has become a, a regular listener of, of the podcast now. So if uh, if if it would seem that it takes a global pandemic to get your partner to listen to the podcast. Then that's that I'm taking that as a win. <laughs> Hi, Em. <laughs> um, and then finally from Josh Howes at Joshua A. Howes, uh, decreased. I'm more conscious of it. So pretty much skipping weekdays altogether. And interestingly, I'm finding I drink considerably less in an evening. In pubs, it's always one more. But here I'm aware that that's digging into my stash, potentially just for the sake of it. And physical activity, I voted stayed the same, though it may have increased slightly just having more time. Conversely, I have no gym equipment, which is frustrating. So it's certainly changed. Good poll. Oh, thank you very much, Josh. Yeah, I, I, I'm... I'm glad somebody really thought about it. And like you say, I, I know you were a bit wary in, in terms of doing two polls in terms of would we get the engagement? But I, I think I think we did. And like you say, I think we got a lot of engagement and that's only a snapshot. And as always, there, there'll be links in the show notes to, to both of those questions should you want to see the all of the answers that we got. Um, but what what about what about us, mate? So what how how have of, of your how have your drinking habits and your physical activity habits changed in, in, in the last few weeks? I suppose if we take the first one, the obvious, I think I did do a little bit of anecdotal evidence by looking at my untapped check-ins before and after mid-March. And my averages seem to be roughly the same because they do it on averages per day and that kind of thing. I have to admit, new venue ratio is a bit low. Uh, <laughs> that's been rubbish over the last six weeks on new venues. You've got to be maxing out that untapped at home badge, though, surely. Uh, no, I'm still doing Dave's beer, Dave's uh, breakfast bar and beer cupboard for this oh, okay. one. Um, so I, I think it's stayed the same overall, but I think I've got less stop triggers now. So a lot of my drinking out would have been done in London, so therefore I'm reliant on public transport. I also know that maybe the next day I also need to use public transport to go back into work. So perhaps I'm drinking a little bit later and maybe I do, maybe a bit unlike Josh, I will have the one more because I'm at home and I'm thinking, well, I haven't got an hour and a half on the train. I haven't got an hour and a half the next morning. So I think maybe my drinking habits have changed because I haven't got those kind of uh, markers in my life. Overall, I think it's about the same. It's mainly the habits. I'm still trying to have over a certain amount of days whether that be like a week or two weeks roughly ending up with about a 50 50 split between dry days and wet days and with regard to activity i don't know if i'm fitter but overall i think i'm healthier because i am exercising every day i have done something every day and sometimes i've done two lots of exercise one out and one of the things on youtube indoors i've also bought some resistant bags i bought them quite early on because I can't get to the gym and you couldn't buy any weights for love nor money from mid-March onwards. So I bought some resistant bands and actually they've been quite good. I've been quite enjoying using those. They're quite handy to put away. I've been using them as a bit of a warm up and warm down and helping me stretch as well, because with the working from home, I'm sitting down a lot more and I'm probably not sitting down in quite an ergonomically designed way as I would do in the office. 
Plus, I have a stand-up desk in the office as well, which does help a lot because I'm sitting down at potentially 14 hours a day without that. So, on the whole, I don't think I'm doing too badly. Is there room for improvement on both? Possibly. But I think for me at the moment, I've found a decent balance for both. What about yourself? Probably much the same as yourself. I mean, I I think when when this started, I was one of the things I was adamant wasn't going to happen was that I was going to start drinking every night, despite me panic buying to the point where I bought enough beer that I could drink four times the amount every night if I wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I, I was kind of, no, we're not just going to sit here drinking every day just for the sake of it. It's let's still try and treat things as a week. Let's still try and have dry days. And on on the whole, I've I've, I've very much managed to do that. There have been a a couple of occasions. and, And I think that the one that probably triggered this dry spell that I've just finished was I actually went on what could only be described as a four day bender. Uh, at home so I started on Thursday night and had a big Thursday a Friday a massive Saturday and then a big Sunday as as well and I was just like I got to the end of it and I was like this has got to stop (laughs) I I, I can't carry on like that so so yeah like I say I've I've, I've just literally as we recall tonight I'm off the back of a eight day dry spell um and i've got to say i feel better for it as 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 well i'm i'm really enjoying this beer tonight it's it's making me um you know really think about what i'm drinking and think about how i enjoy beer and and how my relationship is with beer and and i think going forward i think i will probably try and continue maybe just having you know one night in the week where i treat myself to a couple but then just saving it for the weekend because I've, I've always found that, you, that there's nothing better than that first pint on a Friday when, when you've been waiting all week for it. And that, that's quite a special feeling. So I want to try and get back to that. So I think, I think my drinking, um, I think I've balanced it out again now. And, and I think certainly I can continue that. My physical activity, I'm, I'm very pleased with what I've been doing. I've been doing a, a mixture of long walks and cycling. I, I hate being on the bike. Um, when I went out for my first ride in, in April, I, I actually hated it. Um, come the end of April, I busted out a 17-mile ride, which, which I was very, very happy with. And, and I'm now continuing with that. And, and I think in terms of if I look back at, at, at my stats on Strava, I think I had three days in April where I didn't do any physical activity. Now, one of those I know was because of the weather because I refused to go out. Um, one of them, I was simply having a bad head day, and I didn't want to do anything. And, and the other one, I think I was probably hungover, and, and I, <laughs> I, I couldn't do anything. So I'm, I'm quite happy that out of a, a 30-day month, I only had three days of not doing anything. Um, Which is prob- correct me if I'm wrong, that's probably better than normal for you. It, it is. Normally, um, normally, I would do four or five days a week in the gym, but they would only be weekdays. I would very rarely go to the gym on a weekend unless it was going with, with, with my lads. Um, but so, so yeah, it is, it is actually more than the, the normal. And I've got, I've got to say, you know, when I say, oh, I'm going out on a walk, it's, it's not just like a poodle around the little, <laughs> around my town. I'm, I'm actually kind of, it's a hard walk, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing myself on the, on, on the walk. So um, purely because I can't, 
I can't run on hard surfaces. My my knees just won't handle it. So, but I can I can do a do a fairly decent paced walk on on hard surfaces. So I'm I'm finding myself doing you know five six mile walks and coming out the other side of this. If if I ever find myself saying, oh no, I'm I'm not walking there. It's too far. I'm I'm this is this is going to be a time that I look back on and say, you you used to think nothing of walking to the other side of town to get. A, a packet of bacon you, you, you know so it's it's certainly changed i think it's i think it's creating some long-term behavior change in 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 me in in terms of my my physical activity habits well, i think that can only be a good thing if it's an increase and you're feeling better for it and like you say you know you you had one day where you didn't feel like it at all but i'm sure there were other days when you probably still had to push yourself a little bit but felt the benefit of it by the end of it yeah, absolutely, and and just just this week because my, my my lads have been over this weekend. I I went out for a for a cycle one day before the pair of them got up, and then come the evening they wanted to go out for a walk. So I found myself then going out for a second activity on 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 a day, and I was like, well, I would never have thought of doing two activities in a single day before. So yeah, I think it's everything's everything's changing about the way that you think about things. Yeah, definitely. Um... I, like I said, I was nervous about doing the poll, but I really enjoyed that chat about it, and I really enjoyed reading the comments. So if anyone's got any further comments and still want to carry on getting involved, just use the hashtag opinions. Absolutely, yeah, and you might very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So some feedback this week uh, from Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia. For the first time, I'm truly glad of the shorter show as I've managed to listen before getting stuck into a heavy day of writing assessments. With all the questions Miles is coming up with, looks like he's making a push to be the first to regain the number one fan status. From the aforementioned Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert, under an hour, these shows are hashtag smashable. Um, yes, they are. It's, that's the idea. Yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to do with this. That's the idea. From Paul at UNRCD. Very good episode, really working well at the moment. Um, I, I think that's in relation to the last episode, I don't know, but I'm going to take it, he, he means it for all of them. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that one as well, absolutely, yeah. yeah. From Simon Dewhurst at Simo Sloth. Brilliant show again, guys. Never thought of blending two beers before. Very tempted to do so now, though. I reckon he's not the only one. I reckon a few people might be thinking that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, from Will Lackin at Will Lackin. Uh, brilliant chaps. I'm going to try both of those. I think Will had asked us for a suggestion on some beers and uh, on where to order some beers. And we both fed back some suggestions to him, didn't we? Yeah, I think we, uh, Fornbridge and Colonel were the two that sprung to mind when he asked us for a bit of variety, didn't he? Yeah. Um, thanks for the advice and keeping your show going through this madness. You are definitely doing your bit to provide a more welcome distract distraction from it all. Podcast legends. I'll take I that. I love that last bit. As, as, as well. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Don't call us heroes, call us legends. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, and then we had a, a couple of people actually suggest some blending suggestions because we asked for this on, on a recent show, show. So Jack Target at JTarget23. Not exactly a blend of two beers, but I read a while ago about Mac and Milk. Mackerson stout with milk, two-thirds stout, one-third milk. Turns out, as you'd expect it, creamier. Not really sure that's something I want to try. I'm, I'm going to be I, honest. I've got nothing to add with that one, but if anyone else has tried it, let, let us know. Yeah. Uh, and and another suggestion, this time from Matt Callaby at Callaby Matt. 
good old Uncle Keith always used to have a light and bitter whenever I used to play snooker with him and my old man. Good times. Very much doubt he was getting a working man's half, though. So he obviously wasn't getting served by Rich. Obviously not, no. But but again, keep if anyone's got any blending suggestions, keep them coming. Um, we'd, we'd love to hear them. Now, I've finished um, my nanobots. Um, what did you think of yours? I enjoyed it. It was refreshing. It was sharp. It was crisp. But it wasn't the sort of flavour profile that would make me want to dive back in. Absolutely agree. At the end, because I think you mentioned that I um I actually had two cans in a glass, um, so I, I just over a pint of it. Um, at the end, the aftertaste that I was getting was akin to when you'd go to your mate's house as a child and his mum would be a little bit sparing on the tropical juice concentrate that she'd put in with your water and you ended up on a really weak um tropical juice squash it had that kind of aftertaste to it um yeah i can see that lots, I can lots see of that. pineapple coming through on the finish um they're very very crisp at the start when it was cold um but it's definitely one that i think needs to be drunk cold and and quickly which i guess at 2.8 percent you're going to do that anyway aren't you yeah i would say at the moment there are better table beers for want of a better phrase yeah, without a doubt, I'd, I'd agree. But make your own mind up, you know, 230 Sainsbury stores that that's available in. Uh, track it down and give it a go. As listeners would have heard, you've opened a new beer. Um, we are continuing with a sessionable theme th- this evening, keeping things nice and low. Uh, what have you got in your glass now, mate? Uh, a sake I ordered from the uh, Cloudwater when I did a cl- an order with Cloudwater. Got a few from Cloudwater, a few beers, which I think were probably left over from friends and family. Uh, but this one is the light lager, clean and crisp, three and a half percent. Nice, very nice. Still, still keeping it very low for you. Then I, I have stepped up a little bit. I'm up to four point five percent on a session IPA, um, and this is um, I recently put in. I think my third order from Thornbridge um, over the past <laughs> six weeks or so. Uh, this is the collaboration that they did with Hawksmoor, the restaurant chain. This is the session IPA, which is a uh, which is the first time. For, for me so i'm thoroughly looking looking forward to getting stuck into this one um, i enjoyed i had that christmas time when i went to hawksmoor for christmas breakfast and uh yeah re- i think it's really enjoyable it's anything to shout about no but it's a nice option to have it's really light um you can you can taste there's a really it's a really strong malt profile on that it's a little bit earthy light citrus notes but yeah re- really light and i can understand why they would have um why they would have brewed that to be served in restaurants. Yeah, it's nice. It's also nice to see a restaurant chain like Hawksmoor, which is fairly fairly decent end of the market, having cans available. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I bet they don't make it to the... Do they make it to the table, the, the cans? Uh, yes, well, I, well, actually, I can't tell you that for certain. I specifically asked them to bring the can out to the table. Okay, fair enough, because you want so to picture... Yeah, <laughs> so I couldn't tell you whether that's the normal thing that they do. Okay, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll find out one day. But I, I'm, I'm guessing they'd be, um, I'm guessing their preference would be to open them behind the bar and bring it to the table already served. 
Yeah, so I'm not sure. The kernel beers they usually bring the bottle out because they often do them in frosted glasses. So you know what a beer is like with a frosted glass. It does actually come up quite frothy. So a lot of the time they can't fit it all in anyway. So I don't know. I've got, if I ever get the chance to go back to somewhere like Hawksmoor in, in whatever the new normal world might look like, then I shall uh, give it a go and let you know. Okay. Well, we that's that's a really lovely segue, actually, mate, because we are going to spend the rest of the show um, somewhat talking about that. Um, now, a- occasionally, uh, ourselves and friend of the show, Mark Johnson, will align on the things that we talk about on the podcast and, and the thing that things that Mark writes in his blog. Um, normally, it's either that content comes out around the same time or, or or mark has been inspired to write something by something that we've said but this time we're kind of flipping that on on its head and we've been inspired to talk about something based on something that mark has written recently which was quite a um thought-provoking piece called when and how do we reopen pubs um where mark goes on to make uh, a series of suggestions and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the suggestions that that, that mark makes within his post um but what we're going to do is we're going to apply that to the, the two places that you and i um frequent probably the most regularly together which is the Owl House in Chelmsford and the Viking in Colchester which are two very very different venues in, in terms different. of their layout um not so much the one thing they share in common is they both serve fantastic beer um yes. but their layouts are very very different so um we're going to spend a few minutes going going through this and what we'd encourage our listeners to do is to actually do the same so based on what we're about to talk about apply some of these things to your favorite pub and and see if they would work and and let us know and um it's one of those where hopefully we'll keep the conversation going on 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 future shows the first thing uh, that mark says in in his post and and there will be a link in the show notes to this if you haven't yet read it if you want to read it is um if we learn one thing from our time in various states of social restriction that many incorrectly keep referring to as lockdown is that we will learn absolutely nothing and and i think that's a great a great opening to to, to this piece it's also very Mark. It is. It is very Mark. Yeah, straight straight into into the crux of the matter. So <laughs> the, the first thing that, that Mark asks, first question that he asks is, when do pubs reopen? And he goes on to say, it cannot be stressed enough that pubs cannot reopen until a relaxation of the current social distancing measures. So we've heard all sorts in, in terms of when pubs might reopen from... September to worst case scenario, Christmas and into 2021. But realistically, when 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 do you think we'll see pubs reopening? I think it's quite a nuanced answer, if I'm being absolutely honest. The government is still going to want to try to get all businesses and all economies open in some shape or form in the shortest but safest time possible. However... I think it's quite clear that hospitality will be amongst some of the last with perhaps theatres, cinemas and sporting occasions, live sporting occasions. Not just live sporting occasions. There's the suggestion that gyms and, and leisure centres, swimming pools are in that kind of last open category as well. True. Um, that bit, I think, is probably the most imponderable bit of Mark's post because... There isn't enough guidance yet, I think, from the from the government. There, there's so... I mean, pubs are so varied. 
even just the two pubs you mentioned, Steve, uh, where we're comparing them to, that's just two pubs in two different parts of Essex. And apart from their correlation, but we, in our opinion, they serve an excellent range of beer, well done well. There is very little else they have in common. Oh, without and a doubt, so yeah. Multiply that across the the UK spectrum of pubs, and let's we can always you know throw in Ireland as well because we're very much akin in our our way of having pubs and bars. I don't, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be one of those first ones to rush back anyway. Because all the pubs I like going to would involve more me using public transport more as well. So it's I, I would love it if someone could magically wave a wand and say that the pubs will be open in a week's time. I think it'd be brilliant. I just don't think that would be possible and I don't see how it would work. So I, I, I can't picture it. That's the that one's the hardest one to answer, I think. What what, what what's your thoughts? I'm 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 the same with, with you. I don't I don't think we can see pubs opening until we're able to um, safely be in an area with a, with a group of people, um, and with in in some pubs in with, with lots of people as as, as well. So I, I think that is probably the, the biggest unanswerable question in this whole piece is when. Um, I, I think I think the simple answer is is when it's safe, and and when we're not going to make things worse. That that's in 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 the most basic terms. That's it. As, as far as I'm concerned. Um, some of Mark's other questions do maybe go on to lend itself to, well, if, if there were some guidelines, would, would that aid when, the, the when question? So the, the first one he poses is about maximum occupancy. Um, so his first suggestion would be numbers of customers allowed into an individual venue based on the number of seats per square metre. Um, and that's structured by quite simply having uh, a maitre d' or a concierge at, at the door that allows a certain number of, of, of people in. Now, I wonder whether you could take that a bit further and almost pre-book sitting times in, in pubs like you would at a restaurant. So you, you, you get to book a table for two hours and then you have to vacate the table there's a period of cleaning that goes on between and then the next sitting comes in and i know that's not everybody's ideal of a pub going venture but is is something not better than nothing in in this situation i think we could apply something better than nothing to almost every suggested guideline that Mark has introduced in his post, you know, the same as the, how do we order drinks, for example? Yeah. Now, the, ob the obvious answer, just by seeing the heading without even reading it, is table service. Very much more a continental model, perhaps, for want of a better phrase. And you run up, run up your tab, and at the end of the evening, there's one payment, probably, let's assume, contactless, in all probability again it's very different it may not work for every member of the population it may not work for every every bar or pub but it may well be an option it may well be something that can be suggested as a way forward which i think is all that mark's done here you know i think mark has suggested things that could be thought about 
yeah, he's not saying this is how it must be, but this is some of the things we need to think about. And I think it's a great point you make there about in terms of the table service, the, 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 the comment that he makes there, that, and he finishes that particular section with who doesn't love going to Belgium for table service anyway. And I've, I, I've got to agree. I mean, I, I, I went to, to, to Bruges last year for the first time. And, you know, I was that typical Brit. I walked into every bar and walked straight up to the bar and tried to order a drink mm-hmm. and, and was looked at as if in, in disdain, as if to say, Go and sit at a table and we will come and serve you when we're ready because that's that's how it works here. And when you get used to that, it's lovely because you're, you're being looked after, you're being catered for. Every drink that's been bought to you has been poured freshly. It's been prepared freshly. And there, there's something about table service that works so well on the continent. But then I guess it's just a different culture in the UK, isn't it? Yeah, so we... Personally, it's not something we've really been brought up with. I associate table service very much with a restaurant and going to a bar with a pub. Yeah. But again, if we're talking about, you know, suggestions, you know, and we're talking about the bar, uh, you know, Mark has the bit about sitting at the bar. Now, you know, Mark has suggested that you could perhaps still have people seated at a bar again whatever the required and recommended social distancing might be at the time. I personally don't see it. Um, I think that the bar no longer becomes a bar for the public to attend to or to go to. Initially, at least anyway, I see the bar is it's just there. The staff are on the other side. You are at a table. Never the twain shall meet would be for me the only sensible way forward because if you start having two or three people at a bar perhaps it becomes three or four four or five i would i would say that with a lot of these things there's going to be so many guidelines and rules coming out now which are going to be more nuanced than they used to be that perhaps those ones which become definite there's no bar service there's no sitting at the bar become easier to follow yeah, I, I agree. I I, I don't yeah. necessarily agree with Mark's suggestion that, that that there should be a number of seats at the bar that are distanced accordingly. I actually think it's going to be, I think it's going to be quite a while before we see standing and sitting at the bar again in in, in pubs and, and and bars because I, I think at the end of the day you've got to put you've got to put the safety of. Of, of people first haven't you and if 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 that's a way and until we until we're in a position where we can control this thing or at least put measures in place that help to can control the spread of it then i think actually we need to just say well you know what life's going to change for 12 18 24 months um and actually that might that might see a whole culture shift in the way that we drink and that we go out and that we socialize and some people may well find it a much more comfortable environment. Oh, oh, I would. Less people in any place is a, is a massive plus for me. Yeah, I mean, the caveat to anything that's been talked about here is also taking away the fact that the atmosphere within a venue may change. For some people, both as punters, but also maybe more importantly for people running these businesses, it may not be financially viable. Whatever is suggested as a means of getting these businesses up and running again for some people they may have to make a difficult choice which says actually yeah we could do all of that however our business model simply doesn't work 
or maybe we have to get used to a new way of going out eating drinking traveling especially abroad perhaps all actually become more expensive than the, what we've got used to they do become more of a luxury item for a lot of us because if we want them to stay open but you can only have 50 percent of the people in there something's got to give yeah, and, and again, if you look at the two venues that we spoke about earlier, the, the, the Owl House and the Vic, they are very different in terms of size. Now, you, you know, 50% of the customers in, in, in the Vic at any one time is going to be very few people in, in terms of the space that they have. Or even if you go back to Mark's first suggestion in terms of um, how many people are allowed in based on the number of meet, square metres, there's not a lot of space in the Vic because the majority of the space is that central bar area. So actually their numbers are going to be much, much lower than the Owl House, which is occupies two railway arches and could quite conceivably have no access to the bar, which is in one of the railway arches. And your drinking area is in the second railway arch where you will be served at your table. So actually you never come any closer than probably five or six meters to, to, to the bar itself and where the serving staff are. Now, obviously, the Owl House can 50% of customers in the Owl House is a lot more than, or probably than 100% of customers in the Vic at any one time. And, Agreed. And, and, and you could apply that to pubs and bars of all different shapes and sizes in, in terms of what does 50% of your customers look like? And actually, does that 50% of customers still go on to pay all of your bills does it does it cover all your staff costs if suddenly you've got to have a maitre d or a concierge or and possibly if you've got to have a doorman on the on the toilets to manage the number of people going in and out of the toilets these are all additional costs that you have to suddenly start factoring into your your outgoing yeah now you know i haven't run a business and i certainly haven't run a pub business so i can't say but i can't see how your business model would ever have been prepared for what's happened now or what might be the future of the next few years uh, if we if we assume pre-vaccine. Um, so that's the caveat, I think. Now, I think, you know, we're t- we've, I think we've spoken briefly about it. how would you police it? Dorman, maitre d', that kind of stuff. Again, is it the experience we're used to? No. Have I always felt uncomfortable when I go to a bar where there's, immediately I see a doorman? Yes. But it's a different reason you'd be having these people now. Yeah, it's it's not it's di- to stop it's not to stop the undesirables. It's to manage the number of people in and out of the venue. Yeah, including groups. You know, we, you know, pubs, especially at weekends, do attract groups of people. Now, I think you probably have to quite safely say, but that probably isn't going to be able to happen because we still don't know what the restrictions are going to be about groups of people meeting up who don't live together who don't work together what are those restrictions still going to look like you know you and i for example steve we we don't we don't live together we don't work together we don't travel together so if we were going to go and meet together we are taking an extra step outside of the other guidelines that perhaps might come our way so we still don't know how that will work i still can't see uh big groups being allowed because again would you have prepared your tables to have big groups uh the social distancing so i think so many things are 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 going to change you know and i think the crux of what mark's saying 
the essence that I got from Mark's post was about he would rather see some way of getting some of the venues open again than having no way of getting none of the venues open. Absolutely. I, I, I think, yeah, that's the point he was making. And, and I, I am, much like yourself, wholeheartedly in agreement with that. I, I would like to see a, a, a small number of venues with restricted access and, 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 and the way that we go to those places to enjoy than having, having nothing nothing at all. I mean, you, you know, yes, go, going back to our poll uh, earlier on, we're, we're all quite happy sitting at home and drinking at home and we're, we're probably all ordering more online beer than ever before and we probably are all probably drinking a little bit more than we've ever done at home before. But it's, it's never going to be the same as actually seeing your mates. And, oh. and sitting down and having a few beers with your mates. Of let's, course not. Let's, let's, let's just put all the beer to one side, you know. And, and, and yes, I, like many people, am, am, am missing a perfectly poured pint of cask ale through a sparkler, obviously. Um, people are missing kegs beer. People are missing new beers on the bar. Let's put all of that to one side. And actually, what, what I'm missing most is the social interaction uh, that, that these places bring. It's that community feel. It's that vibe. It's that going somewhere for a collective experience. That's what's missing at the moment. Um, and if we can get a little bit of that back, as a, almost as I don't know whether it's as a pilot or as as we start to ease restrictions, then that then great. But I also believe that let's and and I don't really want to finish on a downer. And I'm not sure this is a downer. Maybe it's just a bit of realism. But let's let's not think that we're ever going to go back to the way it was. I, I think I think some things are going to change forever as a result of this. Um, and I think we will see a new normal going forwards. I, I would agree. I mean, interestingly, I picked up on a piece on Twitter over the last day or so that, interestingly, a lot of the guidelines and suggestions that Mark has made have appeared in... Uh, are two organisations who re represent a number of pubs in Ireland, um, but they are presenting to the government in Dublin as suggestions of perhaps how they can get pubs open in July. Because I think Ireland has been talking about August as an initial uh, starting point. So I found that quite interesting. But, you know, again, the bodies that represent pubs are trying to make these suggestions. Is it what everyone wants? Is it what everyone's used to? No. Is it better than everywhere staying closed? I would have thought it's got to be. So if there's a new norm to be had, let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. And even post-vaccine, I'm still not sure that things will ever go back to quite the way they were. Either changing habits, maybe some people will be a little bit more nervous as a, as a, as a rule going forward. Who knows? The, um, the landscape has changed, but no one wants to see the pub die maybe there needs to be just a maybe this is a bit of a revolution rather than an evolution but i liked mark's post i like most of the suggestions you know the pub associations in dublin obviously loved his uh, suggestions by bringing them to the irish government yeah because they, they almost used them word for word some of them yeah. didn't they <laughs> so you know maybe maybe there's a an, an honorary doctorate coming up for mark in the near future in dublin 
yeah but no i, I agree and and, and th thanks to mark um for writing that actually for, for for doing what he does really well which is which is putting what's in his head um on onto a page for people to read and and i've really enjoyed discussing that and if if you want to get involved in discussion carry on using that hashtag opinions and and we will find you um now just one more thing to say before we come on to uh final thoughts on our second beers and that's the uh if you are listening to this uh on the day of release thursday or friday um or any day before saturday the 9th of may that is um we do still have a couple of places left on our fantasy pub crawl this weekend if you want to get involved just dm us at this stage and we'll let you know what we've got available um across the sessions martin what uh, are your final thoughts on the Cloudwater light lager that, that you've been drinking? Well, it's a 440 can, and there ain't much left of it, to be honest. It is light, it is crisp, crisp it is refreshing, and unlike the beer from Beavertown, I would quite happily go to the fridge and have another one of these. does exactly what I want a lager to do. Quench my thirst, and just that little bit of dryness at the end, which makes me want to come back for a bit more. Um, in terms of the Hawksmoor Thornbridge Session IPA, yeah, nothing more to add really than, than, than what I said at the beginning. Um, it's really light. It's um, got a little bit of earthiness, a little bit of citrus going on in there. And much like yourself, I would happily now go to the fridge and get a second one of these out and crack it and enjoy it. Okay, so what have we got coming up on the next show? Well, we've been very kindly sent some beers by Signature Brew. Uh, a new flagship beer from them, I think, or a new beer to think about during these unsettling times, one called Nightingale. So we're going to feature that on the show. Uh, in addition to that, we will be looking at uh, your FOMO and has it increased or decreased during these times. And we'll be joined by another guest drinker in the form of Paul Grant, who will be joining us for a beer or two. Uh, and that will all be on our next snippet. Um, so as we finish these final beers, probably only one thing to say, which is thanks to everyone for listening. And cheers. Yep. Cheers. Cheers.